the Congo Conservation Company. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and in this episode, Andrew takes us to the Congo, and he has a conversation with Rafael de Lajo, who's the senior camp manager at CCC, and also guides Dean Olofsson and Nicole Matisi, who he met and worked with on that side. Now, just before I hand over to Andrew, uh, just a bit of info on the Congo Conservation Company. Operating in remote parts of Central and West Africa, the CCC is creating viable, low-impact tourism ventures in a pristine natural region to protect it from other potentially damaging commercial enterprises. To achieve this, the CCC is initiating unprecedented journeys for the conscious traveler between camps and lodges within the Congo Basin. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background just on them, the purpose and the story. The first of the camps in the Republic of the Congo's portion of the Congo Basin was Ngaga Camp in the early 2000s. Ngaga was founded to the southwest of Zala Kakua National Park with one of the focal research guerrilla groups under the guidance of the primate research team stationed in the area. The Congolese government soon wanted to look into opportunities to grow tourism here and held a meeting of great minds to discuss the opportunities within the region. Sabine Plattner was one of such minds and founded the Congo Conservation Company, the CCC, as an actor for true conservation within the region through the development of low-impact tourism. Research at Ngaga found a new approach with the support of SPAC, which is the Sabine Plattner African Charities, and later CCC, joining communities, science and tourism on the grounds of conservation. By opening up a second research guerrilla family to tourism and establishing two more Uzala discovery camps within the Uzala Kukua National Park, Lango and Mboko, each within a distinct biome, an incredibly unique and important destination was created. Uzala discovery camps have been managed by CCC in the pristine ecosystem of Uzala since 2012. During 2019, CCC pioneered the first journeys connecting Uzala discovery camps in the Republic of Congo with Sanga Lodge in Janga Sanga Special Reserve, Central African Republic. Through these tourism developments, conservation has been given a higher value by the communities within and surrounding the region as a result of job creating and investment in the area. Together, community, research and tourism are working together towards a stronger future for the Congo Basin and all of its inhabitants. Now, for me, Svalbard is one of my, my soft spot destinations. I know for Andrew, this is one of his. I've seen some of his images. I've just spoken to him about the experience. It looks absolutely mind-blowing. And if you're looking for an incredible adventure, I would highly recommend you check this one out and get in touch with Andrew. But for now, I'm going to hand over, and Andrew has a conversation with Raphael, Dean, and Nicole. I hope you guys enjoy this one. So guys, it's um, day 10 out here in the Congo, our last day, and I've uh, managed to steal away a little bit of time to catch up with uh, Raphael Delage. Um, Raphael, thanks so much for your time. Maybe just uh, let's start off with your role here um, in Odzala. Thank you for your interest. I'm uh, Raphael Delage. I'm the senior camp manager of uh, Odzala uh, Discovery Camps in the Congo Conservation Company. Uh, I'm working here since uh, four years. Uh, yeah, I've started as an assistant and finally I managed to, to get to senior camp manager. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure to work out there. Uh, a real pleasure, yeah. apart from the two years that uh, things were very quiet. We won't mention that though. <laughs> yes, that's true. It was very quiet. Um, but thanks to Madame Mrs. Platner, uh, we still managed to keep our jobs and continue to work in, uh, in this uh, magical area. 
and we use our time to uh, work on new projects, uh, explore the park, so it was also a really good time. Oh, that's mm -hmm. good. Talking about being in a magical area, maybe just describe a little bit. Uh, we're at Mboko Camp mm -hmm. at the moment, but Mboko Camp, and let's take it up then to Odzala and then to country level. Just mm -hmm. uh, where are we? <laughs> So we are currently in the north area of uh, the Republic of Congo. So to differentiate with the Republic, Democratic Republic of Congo, which is a separate country. Um, this Congo is a bit smaller. Uh, it's really peaceful. Um, we are uh, in the north area, which is really remote. Like there is really few uh, little villages around and few little towns, but otherwise the main town are in the south, Brazzaville and Pointe Noire. So yeah, this is a very, very remote area. The park Odzala itself, it's um, 1.3 million square kilometers. So it's really, really wide area. And yes, it's a really interesting place. And it really is beautiful. And mm -hmm. talking about remote, I mean, it took us two hours by plane uh, mm -hmm. from Brazzaville to mm -hmm. get up here. Mm -hmm. That journey by road, assuming everything goes well and vehicles don't break down, roads aren't blocked. <laughs> <laughs> from uh, Brazzaville by road is 14 hours drive. 14 hours drive. Yes, you have uh, 10 hours on concrete that is uh, not a uh, 100% state. And then you go on a uh, dirt road. Sure, that's, that's uh, quite a, a way to get up here. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the history of, of, of Odzala. I believe it's one of the oldest national parks, 1935? Yes, exactly. Uh, the oldest national park in the, in the Central Africa, for sure. And um, this park uh, then has been used by uh, Congo Conservation Company since only 2012. So uh, we managed to get the concession with uh, Mrs. Platner. And then um, we uh, built the first camp. It was in Gaga and Lango. And then Boko came after in uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, operating in this park uh, as the only lodge in at this level in the Congo. Mm. So we are really doing something exceptional here. It's really pioneering in the Congo Basin. Uh, we are working with another lodge in the uh, Central African Republic, Sanga Lodge. Mm -hmm. So yeah, both together, we can say that we are the only lodge at this level operating with uh, Western Lowland Gorillas. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is quite something. And mm -hmm. I think apart from the, the, the big, f the first question that people ask me about, you know, going to the Congo, isn't it dangerous? Is it safe? Is addressing the, the two Congos, mm -hmm. the DRC mm -hmm. and then the, the Republic of Congo. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had two extra nights in Brazzaville and I was running along the mm -hmm. boardwalk there, you know, exactly. along the river yeah. and everyone greeting me. It mm -hmm. was really beautiful mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. didn't ever feel um, unsafe at all. Mm -hmm. Haven't seen a single weapon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so it's that that's the first one. And the second one that people start to kind of ask about is, you know, they say it's, it's quite an expensive itinerary and it really is. And I think that speaks to the logistics of mm -hmm. running a camp mm -hmm. out here, as mm -hmm. we've said, 14 hours by road, two hours flight, um, heavy taxation by the government from mm -hmm. what I've understood as well. Um, but uh, I, th I think it, talking to the standard and that's what mm -hmm. you said, you know, the only commercial operation to operate to that standard here, um, both the Odzala camps and Sanger. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the food out here, I think, at every <laughs> camp, every yes. meal almost, the guests are complimenting us, uh, complimenting mm -hmm. you guys on, on the quality of the mm -hmm. food. And uh, it's not something that one would expect out mm -hmm. here. Um, how do you make that work? <laughs> yeah, even, even people from uh, the local market, so national uh, and uh, expatriate that lives in Congo, they say that these are the best restaurants they have in Congo. <laughs> <laughs> in these and camps. Yeah, so people have been there for years. And they say that it's even better than uh, Radisson or place like that in, in Brazzaville. Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, amazing chiefs um, that uh, have been working in this industry for uh, all their career. And uh, we have a strong um, logistic team in Brazzaville that is supplying us with uh, fresh products from, uh, from Pointe Noire, from Brazzaville. And then, yes, we, we managed to get... Uh, to get a, a up-running uh, organization, operations, and we we managed to get uh, this level of food uh, here in mm. camps. Beverage as well, I think we have quite a good uh, cave for the wines. Yeah. So yeah, it's really, that is that is why uh, for the coast, that is because of the, of the really high level of uh, food and beverage. I think uh, the room as well are really all yeah. comfort. You get everything you need. Um, you have also Wi-Fi. You have a laundry service. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite uh, quite uh, difficult to get this in a in a place like that in Congo. It really is, and I, from what I understand, it's you know even at the the rates that are you know that these trips run at, it's being it's still being subsidized because if the actual cost of running these trips was to be mm -hmm. passed on, it just wouldn't be commercially viable. Mm -hmm. So essentially, every dollar that is is spent on coming out here is being matched, and mm -hmm. basically. Um, people are being incentivized to come through and experience mm -hmm. it. And uh, I mean, it, it really is quite phenomenal when mm -hmm. you pull it all together. Mm -hmm. um, we've touched on three different camps across this landscape. And I think, um, you know, when I first started considering coming out here and I've known about the camps for years, and this is now my third visit, but the thing that drew me to this was, and I've never done guerrilla trekking in Uganda or Rwanda, but it always felt a little one-dimensional sometimes that, you know, you go there, you do your gorillas, and that's that. Um, and yes, there was more to see of the country and you can travel for further. And um, But the thing here was, it was about so much more. Mm -hmm. um, and the gorillas mm -hmm. were just almost like the gateway drug, mm -hmm. if you will, uh, to a whole new world exactly. of different species. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is my third visit here. And literally in this last week, I've racked up at least three or four new species mm -hmm. in the bongo, mm -hmm. um, red-headed uh, bee-eaters. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been amazing. So these three camps, we, we start off our journey at Ngaga, which is mainly focused on gorillas. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing there is that that's actually outside of the national park. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, really something. So mm, the main uh, part of our clientele is coming for gorillas, as you mentioned it. And then they have Longo and Boko that is open for them, and that is a real bonus. And that's quite a big bonus, if you think about it. Longo, uh, it's the only camp built on a bay in, um, the, in this area. In so the so just to give Bacinia. people who haven't necessarily understood what a bay is, mm -hmm. it's this beautiful open clearing, mm -hmm. and it's maintained by mm -hmm. elephants and other animals that are exactly. coming in to mine for minerals. So exactly. it's a shallow stream, mm -hmm. um, and you know during our time there, we had forest elephant come out early mm -hmm. in the mist one morning. There were forest buffalo, harnessed bushbuck, mm -hmm. uh, flocks of African gray parrots and mm -hmm. green pigeons coming down. So it really is 
I guess if you had to relate it to something, picture a waterhole in the African landscape yeah, in the middle exactly. of the dry season. Exactly. <laughs> or uh, we can say also they compare it often as an island in the green ocean. Yeah, that's true because exactly. it's thick, surrounded yeah, by forest yeah. and with Lango, a little bit of savanna, actually mm -hmm. not so far mm -hmm. away. Exactly. Um, so that's the, it's the only place where you can overnight. Exactly, because uh, the overby, for example, in Central African Republic, uh, Sangabai, you need to drive there from the camp. Same for uh, Nwambalindoki. For now, it's only miradors that are on the bay. So we managed to get the authorizations to, to, to build the camp on the bay, and that was really a really good move. And of course, we have some constraint that we need to keep uh, the camp as clean as possible. For we have seaway station, we have waste management going on, we work on solar panels. So it's good for, for, for us. We are really uh, taking care of this bay because it's our way to, to earn and to attract people. And it, I mean, it's quite something sleeping there and hearing mm -hmm. the elephants coming out of the exactly. forest and obviously no torches to mm -hmm. so we don't disturb the animals, yeah. but to hear them coming out and mining and min mm -hmm. looking for those minerals mm -hmm. like that is quite something. Exactly. And yeah, for, for Ngaga, so uh, it's uh, the researchers, uh, Magdalena Bermejo and her husband, uh, Hermani Lera. So when they were uh, studying in the area, they realized that, well, they have been contacted by the local communities. So and this was after a massive Ebola outbreak. After a massive Ebola outbreak, they were at, a, at an area uh, first in the south of this current concession of Gaga, and then they have to relocate after the outbreak. And it's actually the, the people around the community that says, we have a lot of Koreas and we are living with them peacefully since decades. And uh, it will be good for you to, to see that and to, to bring people here. We want, we really want that. So that's what they did. And they did uh, the inventories there and they realized that it was the highest density of gorillas in the area. Yeah. And you understand also with this, uh, because you see that it's thick Marantaisi forest. So this is the, the gorillas uh, habitat that they like the most. So that is why they are, they are so numerous there. So then they managed to get the, the three groups habituated. They follow also all the other groups with camera traps, and then yeah, you know, you know the products more than everybody else. I think. No, <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that st another thing that stands out is I remember coming in 2018 mm -hmm. and still having to do the health clearances and wear masks, and mm -hmm. this was long before COVID, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, you know they were just so yeah. protective over yeah. these gorillas, and yeah. I think that's something that echoes throughout this whole experience is that it's. Um, the wildlife first mm -hmm. we are here to observe mm -hmm. and so you know the, the protocol of viewing the exactly. gorillas um, one group a day and the big standout there is that no more than four mm -hmm. guests per group mm -hmm. so it's four guests mm -hmm. a local guide and a local mm -hmm. tracker mm -hmm. that's it yeah and if you if you think about it so it's first of all a research project yeah it has been made as a research and conservation project first and then the tourist has been agreed to come but at the beginning, it's for research and it still continue to be research. I mean, Magdalena is uh, working with uh, universities like uh, Princeton, Harvard, and she is posting, um, she's publishing articles uh, every year. So it's a big, big uh, organization for science. So the tourism aspect is just a small part of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a real privilege. Mm -hmm. It's hard work, and I think all of mm -hmm. our guests will attest to that. It's, but what you do get to see and experience and photograph mm -hmm. is, is just next level. And, and um, yeah, it was you know, our afternoons there, whilst the mornings were focused on the mm -hmm. gorillas, you were doing these forest walks. And again, looking mm -hmm. at experiences, at, mm -hmm. you know, unpacking some of the fungi and uh, things that are growing around mm -hmm. there, the bird life, and, mm -hmm. and actually just walking and exploring, getting your feet wet in the little... Uh, and Gaga Stream and, you know, just mm -hmm. dialing up those experiences, which is mm -hmm. really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And then 
Um, from there, we came through and we did a night here in Mboko just to hit the river, but uh, we went to Lango and we spent some time there where we got some great encounters. And then the, the experience here at Mboko, and this is really like Odzala Central, this is the main camp, um, you know, from a logistics perspective, um, but it also is the point of departure and the main access for the mm -hmm. river, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, that's what we've been exploring the last couple of days. Um, set in this little savanna area, and I believe only 3% of the whole of Odzala Kokoa National Park is savanna. So what yeah. we're in here is a, exactly. a very special habitat type, and I think that's why it's so productive. Yeah. Um, drifting down the, the river on the boat and you know coming across these little channels and, and by another by before we even get to mm -hmm. Lango, and the amount of elephant activity there, mm -hmm. This camp couldn't be better situated to have access to those areas. Yeah, exactly. If you if you um, navigate on the Lekoli River and then on the Mambili, you will see that after this patch of savanna is just a huge rainforest on both sides of the river. So you you can see birds and monkeys, but it's only when you get back to this savanna in the open that you can see more wildlife, the elephants, uh, the buffaloes. So they selected this area very, very uh, wisely. And yeah, it has been uh, really, really productive, and especially with Longo just by. Yeah. It's a, it's a perfect uh, setup. I mean, really, the way that the camps combine. And I mentioned uh, that we boated. I forgot, almost forgot that we kayaked um, <laughs> on our first morning. And in fact, for some of the guests, that was their first s proper sighting mm -hmm. of forest elephant, mm -hmm. was on a kayak. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something else that really, apart from gorillas, western lowland gorillas, forest elephants, forest buffalo, and all these different species that not many people ever get to see and photograph in their lives was the experience of mm. the Odzala kind of landscape. Mm. It's almost um, a, um, a traveler or an explorer's playground mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's okay to get out of the boat and walk. It's okay to get down low in the water, mm -hmm. um, kayaking down the river, parking the kayaks, and then walking into Lango Camp. So it's not just transferring and driving between these areas, there's experiences to be had just in moving around this mm -hmm. landscape. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's also something that makes this so special. Yeah, I think um, there is not many places in the world when you can start a day with uh, gorillas and finish the day with elephants. That's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> so that is really something that we are lucky to have here. And then, yeah, to, to kayak down the, the Lekoli and see the elephant like that is a really peaceful way to do not disturb the animals, you are really silent, you can really uh, position yourself to do not disturb the, the elephant. That's really the great job that our guides are doing here. Mm. And that allows uh, the best sighting, the best sighting without disturbing the animals. And then to walk uh, into Longobai by foot and discover the camp like that, I think you really feel like an explorer. Yeah. And actually you are working on the steps of Jacques de Brazza which is the uh, little brother of Pierre Savornion de Brazza. It's a great uh, explorer that walked through the Congo and then that's why they came and they said the, the name of the town is Brazzaville. Brazzaville, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you are really, and you are working also on history, I think, uh, Longo with all the uh, pottery shards, mm -hmm. I think. That you yeah, the pottery in the yes, islands. you yeah. are working on Elephant boulevards. <laughs> yeah, you are working on all these uh, archaeological artifacts, so it's really a big part of uh, Congolese history as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it's, it's very, very special. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's you know, two more elements to this mm -hmm. landscape that it would be um, wrong for us not to address. And the first one is you know, that the Odzala Kokoa National mm -hmm. Park is managed currently by African parks. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, they're doing incredible work across mm -hmm. the continent mm -hmm. and, you know, they sign these long-term leases mm -hmm. to build up um, systems and procedures mm -hmm. and, and these protected areas. And um, I would imagine that, you know, the amount of money and time that's invested in your tourism product mm -hmm. is largely as a result of the fact that they're mm -hmm. present mm -hmm. and managing this mm -hmm. landscape. And you guys have a very good working relationship with African parks. Yeah, exactly. So, so back in the day, it's all thanks to Sabine Platner. Huh? She said that she won't invest a single cent in this park without African parks managing the parks. So that was a really, a really wise move as well. And yeah, African Parks is doing great, especially uh, since the last uh, um, director, park director, Jonas Eriksson, that is doing an amazing job. And we can really see the, the improvement in the park. Uh, I mean, in terms of road infrastructures, we, are, we can see that now the roads are really good. Uh, you can access to everywhere really easily. And in terms of anti-poaching as well, uh, we don't hear anything. There mm. is no poachers around. It's really quiet, mm. really peaceful. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of the big threats obviously come from outside of the park yeah. in the forms of mining and forestry. Exactly. And, um, and that also then speaks to local communities mm -hmm. um, and needing to benefit from mm -hmm. the park. And um, you, you've worked quite closely in with SPAC, yeah. um, which is Sabine Platinum's exactly. charity exactly. organization on the ground here. Exactly. So SPAC is our little sister. It's an NGO, as because but us, we are a business. And they are doing the research and educational aspects. So research is around uh, Magdalena and the research around the Gorillas mm -hmm. and the educational aspect it's for um, all the preschool that uh, has been built by SPAC and organized by SPAC all around the park. So the idea by Sabine Platner, which is a, a teacher at the beginning, so she wanted to do that first before even the lodge. It was to take care of the early childhood mm. of the young, the youngest one because her idea was to implement with them, with the youngest one, already the idea of conservation, of uh, the interest for, for nature, uh, for the interest for uh, biology and ecology, so that you can change already and implement the seeds of conservation into the new, the new, the youngest one. Yeah. They say that the two, the one that are too old, you cannot change them. So <laughs> the youngest one, it was the target and it's a really, really good idea. So hopefully the youngest one will be in the future, the stewardness of this area of these areas to, yeah. to, to understand the, the importance of the importance of keeping this area protected. And so those initiatives that runs not just in the single community outside the main gate that mm -hmm. we use to come in and out, mm -hmm. it's around the national yeah, park. Yeah, exactly. There is uh, the main school is at Mbomo, Santa Mobimba. And then there are, I think, five satellite schools around the park that are covering all the village around the park. And it's, it's really good. They also teach uh, basic rule of hygiene, mm. mathematics, French. French yeah. And then the children that comes from this uh, early childhood development, they are the best when they go to primary school and high yeah. school. I <laughs> mean, it, it's amazing when you think, you know, we spoke about just how remote it is. Now you mm -hmm. think about trying to bring and encourage teachers mm -hmm. out into mm -hmm. these areas to s not only come for mm -hmm. a season, but to stay. Mm -hmm. It must be a challenge. Yeah, but the model is to, to do it with a local teacher. So of course there is uh, there are people that are coming to train them, but then the goal is to uh, encourage the locals to take care of their children. 
so it's only local stitchers at the end. Amazing. <laughs> well, Raphael, I think I met you. You <laughs> must have been fresh uh, on the job uh, when I first met you all those mm -hmm. years ago. It's been great to catch mm -hmm. up and see you mm -hmm. and see how you've grown. Mm -hmm. You've changed a little bit. Something yeah. that hasn't <laughs> grown is your dreadlocks. <laughs> no, no, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. Completely shaved. But uh, mm -hmm. really great to see that you've escalated and elevated yourself here. And um, um, just to thank you again and, mm -hmm. and for the whole team for mm -hmm. an amazing stay, for hosting mm -hmm. us and for creating an incredible experience for our guests. Thanks to you, Andrew. It was a pleasure to have you, really professional and taking good care of your guests. You are a great help and I hope to see you again. Thank you. <laughs> So, um, having spent the last 10 days out here exploring Odzala um, with our incredible guides, Dean Olofsson and Nicole Matizzi, um, guys, you're not unfamiliar with wild and remote places. You did a lot of your training um, in eco-training in the Pafuri region, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, we, we both did. We spent some time in, in Mashatu in Botswana, and then we worked quite a long time up in Pafuri. Um, in Northern Kruger National Park, which is a really um, wild and remote area as well. Um, but yes, this has been definitely next level. I can't, we kind of had an idea in the beginning, but I'm sure for both of us, it's definitely blown our minds. Yeah, I mean, Pufuri, lots of walking, also lots of walking out here, but uh, with very different species and different focus. What what was it like? I mean, obviously, you did a job interview to get out here and these sort of things. And, but landing, I mean, thinking about what these guests would have experienced, landing in Odzala for the first time and then getting out and starting to explore. Um, were you thinking, hell, what have we done? Or was it like, wow, this is this is special? No, it was definitely wow, because, you know, when you fly in from Brazzaville, you fly for the last, let's say, 40 minutes, just over dense, dense green rainforest. And this is something we haven't experienced working before. And we were super excited when we left the plane. And big smiles. Big <laughs> smiles, big smiles. Yeah, and obviously they, like, we expected to get wet, but we didn't really expect to have a of web feet and gills <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah the, I must say there was one or two explorations we did as guides that really was really wild and we think at some stage a little bit overwhelmed as well mm. um, but eventually we we really fell in love with this place it, it has a way of really getting to you and there's getting under your skin 100% and fingernails and, <laughs> <laughs> and literally <laughs> biting through it yes exactly that's how it gets <laughs> Yes, working out here and just being in in these in these remote jungles every day, actually it feels like constantly being in one of these National Geographic or BBC documentaries, and it's every time we we go out with our guests or even by ourselves, we we don't know what to expect, so we are always extremely excited. Um, because literally behind every corner there's some surprise waiting for you. And yeah, you can't really describe this place without experiencing it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it is very difficult to describe to people. Um, just the, the range of experiences. I was chatting with Raphael now. The, um, the uh, range of walking, of hiking, of kayaking, of boating. Um, it also calls on a very different skill set from you as guides, a very diverse skill set. It's not just, I mean, mm -hmm. before you, you're walking and mm -hmm. you, you're driving and that's quite extreme mm -hmm. as it is, but this mm -hmm. is next level. Yeah, I must say like the, the activities we do here, it probably is one of the few places in the world where you can do these things. Yeah. Um, so it definitely it took a little bit of time to adapt 
and and luckily we had some very good guides here as well that has been here for quite a while and they showed us around so that helped a lot but we we picked up on it quite quickly obviously like learning to drive the boat and navigate the rivers and stuff is completely different so that took some time um but once you get it under the belt it, it's quite it's really rewarding yeah it's rewarding work what would you say is your biggest challenge out here or has been your biggest challenge out here fungus fungus, fungus. <laughs> yes but it um it this is just a thing um you will experience when you're here for for a very long time a long rainy season then you might have a little bit of fungus on your belt your shoes and your camera <laughs> but um it, it takes a long time out here and being constantly um exposed to the elements so it usually doesn't happen to guests yes um and yeah obviously the guests are here for a week two weeks max so mm. they don't really experience the full force of the forest but mm. it can be a quite an draining environment um, and your body takes a little bit of time to get used to especially like the tetsu flies but as soon you never get used to tetsu flies <laughs> <laughs> but your body reacts less to it yeah, after yeah. a while so i must in the beginning the bug bites was a bit tough and um obviously like everything being wet and a little bit damp also yeah. can can get to you after a while there I must say, I think a lot of for a lot of people, they, the bug bites and the insects, you mm. know, rainforests, it, no ways. But this is actually a relatively friendly forest. I mm -hmm. mean, in terms of things that bite and thorns, mm -hmm. and you know, comparing it to the Amazon. I remember yes. years ago speaking to Adam Bannister, and mm -hmm. he literally, I don't know if he coined the term, but he said this was the friendly forest um, in comparison to when he'd spent time in the Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I can imagine mm -hmm. prolonged exposure mm -hmm. gets a bit uh, old. <laughs> yeah, I must say, I think if you compare this forest to any forest over the world, there's um, a lot of megafauna. Mm. So, and not so much microfauna. So I think the, the amount of big wildlife you can see in this area is just incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yes, and we have wonderful primates. We have, they are, primates you you won't see anywhere else you really have to go and explore this place and and see monkeys you haven't seen before you might never see if you don't come back um this place is really very very different from any other place where we have been before mm. traveling also a lot before huh? mm -hmm. and nicole i think for you you know as a photographer your biggest challenge out here photography wise um well, um, well, it definitely is light. Um, it is a forest. It's 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 beautiful. It's um, it's uh, you you mostly don't have harsh light, but um, sometimes you also don't have really much light, especially when you when you go track gorillas early in the morning. So you, as a as a photographer, you you just um, have to be patient, very patient, and also not too hard on yourself because nature will provide great opportunities. Hmm. Um, but yeah, light is, can be early in the morning, can be a little bit tricky, but um, I'm sure, I mean, your guests all know how to work the cameras. <laughs> and so, so it's, um, it's, it's just wonderful what you, what you get in, in, in return for being patient and going, walking through the forest for a long time. Hmm. And because, all the animals we see here are completely wild. We don't have, or we don't have, there are no habituated animals in, in, in this place. Um, and you see nature as its roughest and wildest and mm. just as its best. 
I, I think you know you, you have to work a little bit for your sightings, whether it's to get to the gorillas, to find the elephants, mm -hmm. and even then you've got to work with what light you might have if there is any to get something. Exactly. Um, and I think that makes the images a little bit more rewarding. And certainly just from a uniqueness, there's not a lot of people who've been here, therefore these images are gonna stand out. You know, it's not like the Mara um, where, you know, hundreds- Everybody's of, got the shot uh, Thousands of people go through every single year mm -hmm. and, you know, get these things. Whereas this is very different. And I think on top of that, and I think this is where we're very fortunate as a company, is a lot of our guests balance photography and experience very well. So, you know, it's, it is frustrating sometimes if you didn't quite get enough light or you didn't quite get that, the subject doing what it is, but you can take a step back and say, that was an amazing experience. Um, so I think that, that's, that's a good uh, lesson for anyone who's probably wanting to come here to keep in mind, it's to balance it. I could see this not working for a lot of photographers who maybe are not prepared to go knee, knee deep into the buy to go and stalk up to forest buffalo. Like, but for me, that's, that's exciting. And I think for you guys, you know, we share that. Exactly, that's where the fun starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, tell me your, for each of you guys, uh, your most memorable sighting during your time out here in Odzala. And you're not allowed to talk about our elephant encounter yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Are we allowed to talk about our bongo encounter this morning? <laughs> the no. bongo this morning, no, let's find something else. Um, <laughs> yes, we had, oh, like, um, for me, one of the most memorable because it was completely unexpected. We were just doing a transfer from Gaga camp to Mboko camp, and it was in the middle of the day where you usually don't expect many wildlife just about, out and about. And we, we're driving through a small little forest and we, we hear the screaming, and we stop because we immediately realize that's a chimpanzee. And we stop the car and we look around and there is a huge male chimpanzee sitting in a tree openly looking at us mm. insulting us <laughs> but he gave us so such a great show and it was we probably spent like 10 15 minutes with him huh wow. yes and we could take photos and um this was the most unexpected and the most memorable sighting for me so far i can imagine and for you dean it's difficult to choose because like every situation is different and there's always a, a emotional attachment you kind of have to these sightings mm. so like for me like forest elephants there's just something special so for me to separate a specific sighting is extremely difficult but I've had some pretty incredible forest elephant experiences here that has blown my mind yeah so it's difficult for me to, to choose one but um, Definitely, and really, I know you don't say we mustn't say this morning or yesterday morning, but no, the elephant sighting we had was really, really special. No, I agree. I was, I was saying that tongue in cheek, and mm -hmm. you know, we were talking amongst the, the guests, and you know, mm. for some, the focus is gorillas. And Raphael was saying a lot of guests come here for gorillas, and then everything else is, is secondary. But mm -hmm. for me, it's as much I put the, the forest elephants, the forest buffalo, and mm. that on the same level as the gorillas. Mm -hmm. um, so I can completely understand why it's a species rather than actually any particular mm -hmm. sighting. Exactly. And, and this, this is also something most of our guests come for the gorillas. Um, but there's so much more out here. And each and every single guest we've been guiding so far just left with a big smile because they got so much more to see than they have expected. They came for the gorillas mm. and they, they experienced a jungle full of life, teeming with big fauna. So it's, yeah, gorillas is one thing, 
but this place has so much more to offer. Maybe that's a great way to just kind of land this chat is, you know, mm -hmm. for anyone who's thinking about coming out here and you, you touched on expectations mm -hmm. and managing expectations is always a big part of, you know, what lends itself to the final experience. So uh, for, from each of you guys, if you had to say something to someone who was maybe considering coming out here, they're mm -hmm. not quite sure whether they, it's for them mm -hmm. or they're not too sure what to expect, what would you kind of say to them? I always say that you can't really compare this to other safari destinations that most guests have been to because this is not really a safari destination, this is a rainforest experience. Mm. And if you look at rainforest in general, it is extremely difficult finding animals and also viewing these animals and photography is extremely difficult. Um, and we are fortunate enough to be in an area where it is possible to, to view animals like this. So a little patience and also just have uh, an open mind to the area is very important. Mm. Yes, yes, I, I would agree 100%. An open mind, patience, and also just being ready to, to get a little bit out of, of your personal comfort zone. Um, just because most people are not used to an environment like this. But it is, for example, the climate is probably the most pleasant climate on the continent if no one will expect that. But um, does that include the forest walk that we did the other day with the torrential downpour? The dry forest walk. The dry forest walk, yeah. <laughs> no, 100% open mind, patience, and um, yeah, a good spirit for adventure, a good sense for adventure. Yeah, I think that's it. And, uh, you know, it really, for anyone who, uh, you know, has been longing for adventure and yearning to, you know, maybe step back a hundred years in mm -hmm. time where you weren't restricted by all these guidelines and rules and sure there are rules here but you know you can play a little bit out mm -hmm. here it's a bit more of a playground um and then just finally just to land it from my side I, you know this is my third time here and I've, I've always had great hosts but you guys have just been next level and really gone out of your way to do everything for our guests um to get them in the right position dean standing chest deep in the water slowly drifting the angle of the boat for the elephants or for the sitatunga that we saw um nicole chatting about the smallest things in the forest and your knowledge and passion for creating these experiences for your guests is very very evident so just from my side i'm sure all the guests are going to echo this a little later but just thank you so much for being basically unlocking this area and providing the opportunities that we've had during the last 10 days it's really been a privilege so thank you so much for both of you thank oh, you thank you Andrew. that means a lot yeah um, that means a lot now i'm blushing a little bit <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing it's a podcast don't worry no one can see <laughs> yeah and from our side as well it's been an absolute pleasure working with you um we've we both yes. actually also really enjoyed it and the guests have been great as well Yes. So it's been. You have been to say that they're sitting over <laughs> there. <laughs> I, know, I hope they can hear me. <laughs> no, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for your time. And uh, well, we've still got one more afternoon activity. I need oh, to yeah. go and get my goodies set. So, um, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And uh, that if this has sparked an interest to visit Odzala, what should they be doing? Doing it. Do it. Do it. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. <laughs>